Lewis, and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Altazan, and as usual around the holidays, I'm taking off a little time for some R&R, but I've put together a good show for you. I think it'll be a lot of fun, an encore show, and I think it's real interesting, brings out a lot of good points. I think you'll really enjoy it. Also, put in a couple little surprises. Why you can't reach me today, you can always reach me by blogging onto the net at www.agco. AUTO.com, standing of course for Altazan's Garage Company. Click on Contact Us, send me an email, and I'll get an answer back to you within 24 hours. Hey, I've got a phone call who's been holding. Let's go ahead and listen. Oh, oh, hi, Lewis. This is Nick. Well, good morning, Nick. What can we do for you? Oh, my old sled's been acting up a bit. Really? What kind of problems are you having? It just doesn't have to get up and go at these times. What kind of engine is it? It's got eight. Eight cylinders? No, eight tiny reindeer. What? You know, eight tiny reindeer. Okay. When you press the accelerator, what does it do? There's no accelerator. No accelerator? Well, how do you get it to go? I just shout, on Dasher, on Donner, on Blitzen. Really? And that makes it go? Well, does it feel like a hesitation or is the transmission slipping? No, it just doesn't have quite takeoff as before. Well, is there a check engine light on? No. Well, it could be the catalytic converter's partially plugged up. That'll restrict exhaust and cut down on the power. You know, I don't think it has a converter. Hmm, no converter? What year model is it? 2001? No, it's a one. Hmm, and no catalytic converter? None. Well, have you checked the fuel pressure? The what? Well, let me ask, do you live near our shop? It might be best you bring it by and let us have a look. No, I live way up north. Alexandria? No, a bit further up north. Shreveport? No, the North Pole. That's up around Ohio, isn't it? Well, a bit further north. Wait a minute, Nick, North Pole, you're not. Ho, 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 have a Merry Christmas. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Santa, don't go. Hey, I need a new... Well, now that we got that out of the way, let's get on with our show. There you go. You can always visit the website. It's www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Right. Easy way to remember Altazan's Garage right. Company. Or a good company. Or a good company. <laughs> I'll, I'll go for that, too. <laughs> There's, there's a contact bar there on every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night, and mm-hmm. he'll send it back to you within 24 hours. Sometimes right away. depends on when he gets it. If I happen to be sitting there typing away, which is most of the time. That's it. Just <laughs> I make, try to get that right back to you. Make sure you got a correct return address so he can get your information back to you. Mm-hmm. And there's all sorts of other things on there you can cruise around on and Boy, there is. And, and I've added just a lot, a lot of things to it recently. So if you haven't been on there in a while, you might want to go and look around. One of the more popular things is those calculators. In other words, you got down there cost-saving calculators, and you can go in and you can compare different gas mileages on different cars and see how much money you're actually going to save. A lot of times I hear people say things like, oh, I'm going to buy a new car because mine gets 20 and I can get 25. Right. Well, look and see how much money you're actually going to save, and sometimes it's it's just not a real wise move. The numbers mm, the just numbers aren't there, are gonna, right. and this will actually calculate it for you. One thing a lot of folks don't realize, going from 15 miles a gallon to 20 miles a gallon, say at $4 a gallon, may save you as much as $800 a year. Right. But going from like 25 to 30 may only save you $200 a year because you're saving a percentage of a smaller and smaller number. So as the mileage gets higher and higher, the savings gets less and less and less. Right. And that's one reason why we don't have 100-mile-a-gallon cars. The cost would be so high compared to the savings. Once you get over about 20 or 30 miles per gallon, the savings just isn't really there anymore. Right. Pop on there and see what you think. does all the math for you. There's a couple other really good ones. 
Lots of good things. Some of the articles, the detailed topics, lots of information. Just pop on there and see what you think. www.agcoauto.com. Sitting here trying to get the producer's yeah, attention there. Yeah. How about that, huh? Can't read the name on number two. We're going to go to our phone lines. We've got John online. Good morning, John. Uh, yes, sir. I just recently bought a 08 Nissan Frontier with uh-huh. a V6. Mm-hmm. And the dealer filled it up with regular gas, 87 octane. Uh-huh. And I get home and I'm reading the manual and they say they recommend 91. Okay. But they say if you can't get 91, you can use 87. Right. And it runs fine on 87. What's the deal? What kind of vehicle is it, John? I'm sorry. It's, it's a brand new Nissan Frontier truck. Okay. And they're asking for 91? In the manual, yeah. Yeah, I would be using 91 in it. In fact, if you go on the website, there's actually a big old article called Valve Clatter Spark Knock and Pinging and Preignition mm-hmm. that tells you a whole, whole lot about it. What happens when you build an engine, there are ways to make more power. And one of those is to increase what they call the compression ratio. Sure. What that is, is you're compressing the fuel and air more tightly so that when the explosion goes off, it's more violent, which gives you more power. Now, the drawback to that is when that happens, you start to compress that fuel air, and it can actually explode before the spark goes off. In fact, that's how a diesel operates. Uh Now, if the spark goes off while the piston's still trying to come up, you can start burning holes on the tops of pistons and tearing stuff up. So what they do is they add octane to the fuel. And a lot of people are confused about octane. They think it's a higher quality fuel or it has more energy. It does not. Octane merely slows down the burn rate of the fuel so that it burns in a slower, more controlled pattern. Therefore, you can run a lot more compression with a higher octane fuel. Now, when an engineer designs the engine, and let's say he normally most engines are around 8.5 to 1 compression ratio. This engine, he probably went around nine and a half to one. That's going to give you more power. It's going to give you better fuel economy. It's going to do a lot of things, but it requires the higher octane. When you run the lower octane fuel, what will happen is the combustion chamber temperatures are going to skyrocket, and you're going to start messing things up. So I would stick with what they recommend. They say if you use the 87 mm-hmm. and you notice knocking continually. You have to change. I drive real easy. Yeah. I mean, it's your call. You might want to try is try some 91, check your mileage, and then try some 87, check your mileage. I might get better mileage. Well, what's going to happen is that when the knock sensor sees the engine start knocks, it's going to retard the timing. So basically, you're defeating everything the engineer built in. You're losing power. You're losing mileage to use cheaper gas. Okay. If now, I decide, go I... to the calculator on my site. Okay. Type in the difference between the cost of the fuel. Right. And you may come out better using the higher octane fuel. If I do decide to stick with the 87, mm-hmm. would you recommend going to 91 when I'm going to be pulling a boat? I wouldn't recommend using the 87. I just don't okay. think the cost savings okay. is there. You're basically trying to defeat what the engineer built into the vehicle. I see. I would never do that. Should uh, I complain to Nissan because the dealers are saying these things run on 87? Man, you got to remember, you can always tell when a car salesman is lying because his lips are moving. Uh-huh. They, they will tell you anything they have to tell exactly. you to try to sell a car. And if they see the higher cost of fuel as a disadvantage, they will tell you whatever they have to tell you yeah. to sell the car. It's just something you got to kind of think about. If that's a major factor to you, you just don't buy that kind of car. Right. Because that's what it's going to require to run properly. Yeah. And long term, you're not going to be happy okay. using lower octane fuel. You're going to start causing a lot more wear and tear in that engine. You're going to lose a lot of power, and you're probably going to lose mileage. All right. All righty? I'll compare the two. Okay, John. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526, number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And let's go back to our phone lines with Thomas. Good morning, Thomas. Actually, I have two questions. Okay. I went to pick up my, I was having an oil change done or whatever, went to pick up my Nissan this morning, Terra. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they wanted to do the transmission flush, and I know better than to do that. But they were talking about cleaning injectors and all. The biggest, <laughs> the biggest answer was, was no, and, you know, that's exactly, it, it, and that's exactly what I told them. If the word flush is in there, 
Just add the word wallet in front of it. Wallet flush. <laughs> what a lot of places do is they actually are trying to get people in so bad, they'll say in all change below their cost. Because, you right. know, all, the price of oil has gone way up. The price of labor has gone up. Decent filters have gone way up. Many of them will actually say in all change below their cost to get you in to get the wallet flushes. Right. And they're going to make a killing on that, so don't feel too sorry about them. What I do is go over and get cheap yeah. oil change and say no. Just say no. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that's pretty much what I've been doing. But I, I had one other question. Okay. My wife's got an 03 Honda Odyssey, mm -hmm. okay? It's always run great. Uh -huh. It still runs great. Uh -huh. We used to get 300 miles on a tank of gas. Yes, sir. And it dropped down to about 250, 260, and yes, she's okay sir. with that. Now we're almost at 200. We've almost cut the gas mileage in half. Now, okay. I mean, we keep up with the regular services and whatever. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that I need to do if I brought it to you? Could you look at it? I mean, or is it just... No, there's lots of things that can affect that, Thomas. One of the biggest things is that the thermostat tends to get older in time and gets weak. Okay. When that happens, it takes longer for the engine to heat up. And right. in some cases, it'll actually stick open and the engine won't get to full temperature. Now, that's the number one cause of, of poor fuel mileage is... That's, low temperature. That's something you're not really going to see on your temperature gauge. Right. Gauge is just not that sensitive. Because the gauge isn't going to see that. When the, uh -huh. when the thermostat hangs up, the computer has its own sensor that it's reading. And when the engine doesn't heat up enough, the computer compensates for it and starts adding more fuel because it thinks the motor's still cold. Right. So see, there goes I some more. Another thing is that you got to remember the reading that you see on that gauge is an average reading. Because the right. engine temperature varies considerably depending on where you're at in the engine. You know, if you go up around the cylinder heads, you can be around 280 degrees or so. You go right. down to the bottom right. of the block, you may only be 200 degrees or less. I What's happening you. is all that water is blending together, coming out the thermostat neck, and you're taking average reading there. The one that hooks to the computer may be up close to the cylinder head or, or wherever where it's getting a different type of reading. So that's one of the things. Now, another thing, of course, any kind of a little misfire is going to use a lot of extra fuel. Maybe you're not feeling it yet. Maybe the check engine light's not detecting it yet. Something like an oxygen sensor with a very slow response rate, it may think the engine's too lean, so it starts adding additional fuel. A dirty air flow meter where it doesn't know how much air is going into the engine, so it's adding additional fuel. There's lots of things that can do it. Another thing that would account for part of it is the fact that they're adding the ethanol to our fuel now. And everybody's going to see a drop anywhere from maybe 2% on up. Of course, you're talking about a way more substantial amount. But that's going to account for some of it. There's other things like, for instance, the transmission has a mechanism that kicks it into what they call lockup when you get to cruising speed, which locks the torque converter so it doesn't slip. Right. You can have something like a brake pedal switch because it uses that to determine when it goes out of lockup. And if that switch is sending the wrong signal, it cannot go to lockup. So there's all sorts of things that can account for mileage being down. Ah. So, so yeah, I, I would definitely have a look at it. If I can bring it to you, you can run all those rabbits for me, right? Yes, we can pretty much check it out. At least I can say, hey, we found this wrong, or I can say, hey, we just don't see anything wrong, one or the other. But chances are, if it's dropped that substantially, and the driving style, where you're going, and how you're driving hasn't changed. None of that's changed. And, and so, what, this thing could actually be running 185 degrees, and that temperature sensor that I'm looking at may think everything's chilly, it right? It may, right. yeah. That right. can happen. I mean, sometimes it'll indicate that it's lower, but it's just not a real sensitive gauge. The entire range on that thing from 0 to 260 is only about, what, three-quarters of an inch? So it's not right. a real sensitive gauge. It's kind of hard right. to pick up 20 degrees one way or the other anyway. Okay. Get, even if you get a temperature sensor, let's say the sensor that's feeding the computer goes bad, and it right. thinks it's cold even though it's not, it's still going to do the same thing. So, yeah, there are a lot of things that can do it. 
All right. Well, look, Lewis, man, look, appreciate you gentlemen's right. time this morning. You're and welcome. be seeing you soon. All right, Thomas. And remember, just say no. Bye-bye, <laughs> <laughs> All right, four nine 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 five five two six. There you I'll, go. I'll get it here, boy. Yeah. I tell you, I, and I was here last week too, so I, back again, I don't man. have an excuse at all. <laughs> we got JW on the phone. Good morning, JW. Yes, sir, Lewis. This is my mother-in-law's car. It's a two thousand Honda okay. Accord, uh-huh. about eighty-five, ninety thousand miles on okay. it. She experienced a problem yesterday with the check engine light come okay. on, yes, and sir. it was running extremely rough. Okay. She took it to a local shop. Uh-huh. I will not name the shop. Uh-huh. First of all, they couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. Uh, they run a code on it, and they come up a lean fuel mixture. Okay. So they changed the fuel filter and put new plugs in, and, of course, they changed the spark plug wire. Yes, sir. And reset and cleared the light. And Probably said, came right back again. Well, uh, that, that I don't know. I don't think she's driven it since. Can I have enough sense to know this is not right. Well, and it may have needed those things. I'm not saying it did or didn't, but they won't cause that code. That's you what see, I told her. a bad spark plug or a bad spark plug wire is going to cause a rich code. Right. Because when a spark plug misfires, a charge of gas that hadn't been burned goes through the exhaust. The oxygen system is going to pick it up as a rich condition. <clears throat> it it okay. can't make it lean. Now, obviously, a totally plugged up fuel filter could lean the engine out, but that's just highly unlikely as well. If it's doing it on idle, it may do it on hard acceleration. Right. So I kind of doubt all that. I'm looking more at like an airflow meter that's reading improperly, possibly a vacuum leak, something like that. Okay, I did go retrieve the spark plug wires. Yeah, uh, yeah and plug wires on a Honda hardly ever go out. Yeah. I know. I went and retrieved them yesterday and asked them after she had picked the car up. I yeah. said, do you guarantee what you've done or did, or did it repair the car? And they said, no, sir, we cannot guarantee that. Yeah. So uh, I knew we had a problem. We hardly ever change spark plug wires. Hondas, I mean, they generally go 200,000 miles pretty easy. That's and why, that's if they why put aftermarket them. wires on they're probably not as good as the ones you took off. Right. I know this. I know this. Check and see. If, if they put Honda wires on, that's great. If they put aftermarket wires, <laughs> I'd probably take them out and put the original Honda wires back. They put aftermarket yeah, on. Yeah, well, I'd bring yeah, them their wires back and just say, look, man, I want my money back. Didn't fix the problem. Here's your wires back. And I don't expect my money on labor. I know you changed them, but I'd like at least the money on the plug wires back. Right. So you think an airflow meter? Could be an airflow meter. Could be a, vacuum leak, a lot right. of things. Vacuum leak. I mean, it could be a bad oxygen sensor, just reading lean when it's not actually lean. Lots of things it can be, but spark plug or wire is going to make it rich, not lean. And you see what's happened now is they've cleared all the information that the tech needs to, to diagnose fix that product. That's yeah, so you should have to drive so it probably for a week or two. Until the light comes back on. Yeah, to get the information rebuilt because right. when they cleared the code out, they destroyed all the diagnostic information. That's all kind of what I already knew about clearing the light and mm-hmm. I also knew about the spark plug wires. That's why I went and retrieved them. Yeah, that's and, good. Uh, I'm glad you did yeah. that because, like I said, I, I know if, if I were to get the car, I would want the original Honda wires back. Well, and uh, that's why I got them back because mm-hmm. I got a feeling you're going get the car yeah yeah <laughs> lewis thank you so all right, much, buddy. thank all you right. man bye-bye right. he sets an example of the other shop possibly didn't do anything wrong at all they maybe just didn't present the information correctly or did not make sure the lady understood exactly what they were doing if they couldn't find anything wrong they found a fuel filter they thought maybe it was plugged possibly that was it and maybe they checked the car and the spark plugs were worn so what they needed to tell ladies look we're doing some maintenance plugs are worn we suggest plug wires for this reason or that reason or whatever. And that would have been a whole lot better if you just go in and just do some work and there's a problem and nobody knows exactly what the work was done for. So that's why you end up with these kinds of problems. Maybe they did everything properly, but they just didn't explain the situation well enough. And so that ended up with a lot of suspicion on the part of the owners. And we're going back to our phone lines. We've got Glenn's been patiently holding. Good morning, Glenn. Hey, I've got a 2000 Buick LeSabre. Okay. It, it was an inherited car, so yes, it, it's not driven much. Uh-huh. 
the battery replaced it about a year ago, and I crank it every now and then. I let it go for a while without cranking it, and so it wouldn't crank. So okay. I charged the battery uh-huh. for quite a long time on a trickle charge, yes, maybe <laughs> several days, uh-huh. and I get nothing. It may have just died completely, Glenn. battery's good. I've got good voltage on it. Okay. We took a jumper cable off. Uh, we we jumped, tried to jump it off a real hot battery, you know, and it's showing like 13.4 volts, nothing. Mm-hmm. The concern I have is that the electronics seem to be acting up. You put the key in the car and you turn it and it says unknown driver. Okay. And the radio won't. Well, I'm wondering if it was saying unknown driver, it's not recognizing the chip and the trip to security on it. Yeah, you you may have reset the security on it. And it could be because the battery went dead. It could have lost something and you just happened to turn the key while it was learning something. So when you turn the key back on, it tries to regain an information and maybe you interrupted that process. See, that vehicle is equipped with what they call the Pass 3 security system. And it's actually two parts to the system. You have the vehicle theft deterrent part of it, which is an immobilizer. It shuts the vehicle down. You have the theft deterrent part, which is like the alarm system where if you open the door, the alarm goes off. That's actually operated as two different things. But the way it works is a chip inside the head of that black key. And that chip is picked up by a little antenna that's inside the lock cylinder, and it sends a code over to the immobilizer unit. Now, the immobilizer unit transmits that code over to the PCM, and the PCM recognizes it because it has it stored. And unless all that takes place, then it's not going to allow the car to crank or start. So most likely something's gone wrong in there. Now, in the shop, we use a Tech 2, and we can go in in about 10 minutes. We just tell it all the information it needs, and it'll relearn the system. But, of course, you don't have that where you're at. So what you can do is try the 30-minute relearn. The way that works is you turn the key to on and leave it on for about 10 minutes and watch the little light. The light's going to blink at you for about 10 minutes. Then the light's going to go off. When the light goes off, turn the key off, wait five seconds, turn the key back on. Do the same thing again, wait 10 minutes to the light quits flashing, turn it off, five seconds, turn it back on. You have to do that three separate times. After the third time, turn it off the last time and try it again, and it may relearn that key. Just make sure you got a good key in the ignition because it's going to learn the key that you've got in there, and then it may start after that. So you okay. have to try that first, right. if, and then get the right key. Make sure nobody didn't put the wrong key in it. Get the right key and see if it won't start. We've tried all the keys that we have, including the valet key. Uh huh. And I've gone down to the starter and, and hit, you know, jumped it. Mm-hmm. It'll crank down. It, it turned the motor. Yeah, over. see, it's disabling right. the starter. What you got is the security system, for whatever reason, has uh-huh. just locked you out. It's lost its communication with the PCM. And it may be that it'll have to be reprogrammed in real weird cases. You may have to replace the immobilizer module. It just depends on what happened when batteries start going. What was the other thing? Uh, it's called the immobilizer module. That's a little module that actually gets the code from the ignition cylinder and sends it over to the PCM. Oh, goodness. And see, it's not seeing that. So it's just it's going to try letting it go dead, try putting another battery in and turning the key to on and just let it sit. If that doesn't do it, you need to tow it somewhere where they know what to do it. That's, We're just trying a, to avoid having it towed. That's yeah. a pretty complex system, man. You'll be totally out of your league trying to diagnose that. I'm yeah. It's well, I, we checked all the fuses, and things would be good right there. So. It, it's, yeah, if it's, it's saying unknown driver, yeah. then it thinks you're trying to steal the car. Right. You've tripped the security system somehow when the battery went dead, like mm-hmm. Lewis was saying. See, right. what it is, it's got a code that's stored in the two different computers, and it looks at the key. It has to recognize the key, and those two codes have to acknowledge each other before it's going to enable the starter. I see. One other question. I have a, an 03 Lincoln Town car mm-hmm. that the check engine light has never come on, but it misses a little bit. 
as it mostly at low RPM, like when it drops in overdrive, you can fit, uh, have occasional miss. Kind of like a little shutter or something? Yeah. The misfire counter on Ford won't set the light off until it gets to a certain number of misfires, and it has to be a certain number of misfires on each cylinder. Let's say you've got a random misfire where several cylinders are missing, and they're just missing a little bit. It may not ever set a check engine light. Right. So, so if it's something a- that affects all the cylinders normally, you know, if you've got one cylinder that's dead missing and it does it in a certain number of times, it's going to kick a light. But let's say you yeah. got something like a dirty airflow meter and it's just it's all the cylinders are missing a little bit. It may not recognize that. I've changed out air filters. It's got 80,000 miles of dealer service uh, before I bought it. Is it possible that I've got a coil pack, uh, what they call a COP? I hear that's a common issue, but there's no way. It's fairly common, but normally Mm -hmm. it sets a check engine light because it'll be unique to one cylinder missing. So it would not set off the light? Well, normally it will, yes. Oh, see, it won't set the light off. Right. You said it only happens when it goes into overdrive? No, when it goes off overdrive. It happens at real low RPM with a load on the engine. That's why I don't know how you would even check it, reliably check the COPs on each cylinder, assuming that's what it is. The Ford IDS scan tool has a part in there called a misfire counter, and it actually puts up a little graph, and you can watch each cylinder fire. So with something like that, you could see it. could be a call that is just going bad, hasn't really gotten bad enough to where it's missing hard enough for Check engine light to catch it yet. Uh-huh. Which is that would be it, something common. Common to all cylinders. And that would be caused by probably a sensor of some sort? Or? Well, it could be, or a dirty airflow meter could do that. And yeah. you, you can run out of money before you run out of things to change, I can tell you. Right, right. Uh, That's what you, you need you to see? get that to somebody who knows what to do and let them check it and tell you what's going on with it. Do you see that that has to have new COPs on all cylinders every so many miles? or? No, no, we just check it and find out what's wrong. If it is a call, we normally just change the calls that are bad because you may have eight calls on there. One or two may be bad, but the other six may last the life of the car. Okay, good. That's what I want to hear. Thank you. Uh-huh, bye-bye. And so we have to take one quick little break, but we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. To kids from one to 92. Hey, Agco Automotive is here to tell you some things are too good to be true. Like free beer, tomorrow, or lose weight on the ice cream and cheeseburger diet. Another thing too good to be true? The low price oil change. Automotive businesses will sucker you in with an under $30 oil change and then give you a huge list of recommended maintenance and repairs like flushes, brake work, rack and pinion leaks, oil leaks, and more. Well, AGCO says be smart. When you get the list, bring your vehicle to AGCO and we'll provide you an honest evaluation of any problems you may be having. Want to know more details about upsells and wallet flushes, plus tons of other automotive info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. AGCO, it's the place to go. Oh, and those beautiful models just waiting to talk to you late at night? Yeah. Too good to be true. But baby, it's cold outside. But baby, it's cold outside. Been hoping that you drop in. Welcome back to our special pre-recorded Christmas show. I'm your host, Louis Alvin, and while you can't reach me today, you can always send me an email. Go to the website at www.agcoauto.com and just hit contact, and I'll get an answer back to you within 24 hours. Let's rejoin our show already in progress. All right, 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got Jim online. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Louis. Yes, sir. Listen, I 
listen, I, I got a question about a 95 Jeep Grand Cherokee. Okay. It's got a V8, uh-huh. and I had this cable. See, while well, I'm changing the water pump in it now. <laughs> I have a cable that's hooked up to the carburetor, and it's on that linkage, and the cable runs back down to the back of the engine towards the transmission. Okay. Now, that cable seems to be broken right there at the the linkage on the carburetor. Yeah, it's going to be a throttle by, not a carburetor. But if it goes to the transmission, it's going to be one of two things, depending on what kind of transmission you've got. If it's a four-speed, it's going to be an Ace and Warner design. And if it's a three-speed, it's going to be a 30, a 32, a 36, or a 37 RH, which is kind of like your A904 torque flight. That cable is going to most likely be the valve body kick-down cable, which... When you accelerate, it allows it to kick down lower gear, but way more important, it controls the pressure to the clutches because that's what tells it how much throttle you're applying. And without enough pressure to those clutches, you can end up burning up the transmission. Yeah, in about, what, 10 miles maybe? Yeah, it don't take long it ain't gonna because take long. if the cable breaks, it goes all the way forward, the clutch pressure goes to minimum, and when you're accelerating, the transmission starts slipping and it burns it up real fast. My goodness. And I don't I know said, how long it's been broken. Yeah, well... <laughs> That's for a fact. We had an AOD out of a Ford the other day that got retrofitted into a later model vehicle that the cable was misadjusted on. Transmission burnt up in 10 miles. Yeah. I'm talking about burnt slam up. Yeah. And it was a brand new transmission. Yeah. This, this is a little bus thing. The guy had, uh, had a custom-built transmission put in it, and when they hooked the carburetor up, they didn't know how to adjust that linkage, and he drove it about 10 miles burnt transmission up in it. My, my, my doesn't take very long chances are if if it's not burned up you're not having transmission problems yet it's probably a kick down and what it does you see a lot of those are electronically controlled now they don't use cables anymore and what they do is when they see the throttle go wide open they just automatically kick down but the old ones had a cable when it pulled out it says okay he's mashing the gas let's jump to a lower gear but i would definitely look at repairing or replacing that cable make sure it's hooked up and adjusted properly okay all right appreciate that okay man i'll do that thank Thank you bye-bye 499-9526, Four nine 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 five two six number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would sure love to have you. And we got Tony on the line. Good morning, Tony. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. Listen, I have a 2001 Expedition. Okay. And it's not mechanical. What is happening, the handrail on the passenger side, when it rains, it has a drip. Okay. What can I do about that? Normally, Tony, it's leaking between the window and where it closes against the roof. Okay, I got a sunroof also, so. Yeah, I mean, where's the water coming in at? Okay, right at the, well, that's the point I don't know, because, like I said, when it rains... Yeah, where do you see yeah. the water? Yeah. Where yeah, uh, where it starts to drip at the hand, that little, they got like a little handrail that you kind of hold on to them. Okay, a little hand grasp that's on the uh, yeah. A-pillar. That could be a windshield. Could be the windshield leaking. Could be the, the drip rail up on the, on the roof. Something isn't sealed properly. Right. What you're going to have to do there, Tony, is get that to someone who knows what to do, or you might even try yourself, take a garden hose... Get in the car with a flashlight where you can really see real well and take the garden hose and put in that area and just see if you can trace it. There are people who do that kind of work as well, but if you can't find it yourself. But something is going to be not sealed properly, right. and that water's probably running from a, a long ways away and coming out there. That's just a spot where it can get out. Does it have a sunroof on the, on the vehicle? Yes, it does. Yeah, there's some drains in those sunroofs because, see, water always is going to leak in around that roof. It's not sealed to the roof of the car. And there's two little rails on the side, like little channels that take that water and drain it off somewhere. What happens is if those little channels plug up, some leaves get in them or some dirt gets in them and plugs them up, they're going to overflow. It's going to go inside the roof, and it's just going to come out wherever there's a hole, which just happens to be where that handrail is. So that would probably be the first place I'd start looking. What you might want to do, Tony, is take get you some of that wide blue painter's tape 
and tape okay. the sunroof off. There's tape all the way around top of it. tape all the way around the seal on the sunroof. That blue painter's tape is not supposed to pull paint, yeah. so you should be okay. And then take the water and run the water on top of the sunroof. That is sealed now. Yeah, so if you get water inside the car, it's probably leaking somewhere else. It's got to be somewhere else. If it quits, and you know if that's it quits, where it's at. Then you're, yeah, it's you're just strictly a diagnostic right. procedure. Yeah, I, okay. wouldn't leave, I wouldn't leave it on there for an extended period. No, because it'll stick to the paint. You won't work. get it off. But And a lot of times you can just take that sunroof apart, get in there with an air gun or something, blow the drains right. out, and, and fix that problem. In fact, I think those rails have a tube on them. They may have a rubber tube of some and kind. if the tube gets stopped up or the tube comes off or something. It runs water runs, down under the car somewhere right. and let it drain out. Right. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you very much. Okay, You're Johnny. Welcome, thank Tony. you, man. Bye-bye. 499-9566. Number if you want part of the automotive hour. We got Bruce patiently holding. Bruce, hang on. You'll be straight up after the break. Blackberry, huckleberry, mints and pumpkin pies. If you don't watch out, you're going to double your size. Mike, how are you and things at the dealership's maintenance department? Dave, things are great. You guys still running that low-priced $24.99 oil change at your place? Oh, yeah. Folks come in and we just... Happen to find a ton of other stuff wrong with their car. <laughs> Works, don't it? Sometimes when it's a woman, I make something up like, your flux capacitor has a leak. Yeah, or your strepanoid filter head needs to be replaced. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I gotta write that down. Agco Automotive wants to let you know how to stick it to the low-price oil chain shops. Go get the oil change and then take your vehicle and their list of recommended repairs to Agco for an honest opinion of what, if anything, needs to be fixed. And we'll fix only that. Want to know more details about upsells and wallet flushes, plus tons of other automotive info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco, it's the place to go. How'd you like to spend Christmas? On Christmas Island. How'd you like well, Merry Christmas and welcome back to the Automotive Hour, our special Christmas edition pre-recorded show. And while you can't call in, you can always reach me at the website. That's www.agcoauto.com. That's agcoauto.com. Go ahead and send me an email and I'll get an answer back to you within 24 hours. Let's get back to our show. We've got Bruce has been patiently holding. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Lewis. How you doing? Doing great, sir. I got a question, and it's about the gas. Somebody had called you last week about they had an old car, mm-hmm. and the gas that we have now is inadequate. I've got a 60 Mercury Park Lane. Uh-huh. It's a high-compression engine. Normally, I think Dad ran uh, 98 in it. So I got two problems. One, labor knock. Two, we got this gas with this alcohol in it. Right. The first one, you can do something by it. The second one, you can't. So you just got to kind of live with it. If you use the higher, if you use 93 octane fuel, you're going to have enough octane to run that engine. Mm-hmm. Because Without octane is octane. Without the labor knock? Yes, sir. If you you've still got labor knock running 93 octane, you need to go to my website. And there's a big old long article on there talking about spark knock and pinging and all that. It'll tell you about 30 reasons why you can have that. Right. So you got something else wrong if you're still pinging with 93 octane. As far as the ethanol, there ain't much you can be able to do about it. There's a Texaco station down by my shop that has a sign saying yeah. we do not use ethanol. I don't know if that's true or not. There's no way for me to verify it, but you, know, you might try some of that as long as you can get it. I imagine it's just a matter of time before you won't be able to get that either. Although I did hear some new research saying that the uh, ethanol has actually doubled the amount of greenhouse gases. <laughs> <they got>. so, <laughs> figure, you know, huh? our, our politicians, boy, they're going to oh, save yeah. us, huh? You may have some trouble with the ethanol. It may mess up your carburetor, particularly if it's an older one. 
what you could do, you just have to rebuild it. And new stuff is going to hold up for a while, but eventually you're going to have trouble. Well, you had told somebody last week about a car club. Yeah, there's several of them. There's one in Baton Rouge that's pretty active, and he was looking for some parts, I think, for an A-model Ford, and I had referred them to him. If you want to send me an email, I can give you your name and your number to the, a guy I know who's in the club, and he can get in touch with you. Okay, well, it's not necessarily parts. I'm just uh, to know if they, if I can rebuild the carburetor with some, maybe change out the... Yeah, you might go on the Internet and see what anybody's making. I mean, basically, even if you put the stock stuff and it's new, it's going to hold up pretty well for a while. Yeah. It's the older rubber and stuff that really has the right. problem. Right. Okay, then. All righty. Thank you. Okay, Bruce, bye-bye. And we've got Ross on the line. Good morning, Ross. Yes, I have a 2000 Nissan Maxima uh-huh. and a 2004 Honda Accord four-cylinder, uh-huh. and both of them are right at 100,000 miles. Yes, sir. And I know that I need to service the transmission fluid and the coolant in those. I probably yes, waited too long. The question is, particularly on the Honda, I'm being told that I have to go back with the original fluid in that automobile. Is Honda has a blue right. fluid. That's an OAT-type cooler. It's not really the same as green fluid. I would use it. We keep it at the shop. We buy it by the case, and it's a good product, so I don't see any reason not to use it. Okay. And on the uh, transmission fluid, I'm being told that I also need to go to Honda. Honda fluid, right. yes, sir. And Correct. you don't have to go to a Honda dealer. We like, Again, yeah, we buy it by the cases. We've got it as well. But you do have to use the original Honda fluid. They have their own fluid. Okay, now on the Maxima, I understand that that isn't quite as critical. That's just Dex 3 on the Maxima, which is a standard-type fluid, your Dexron 3. Same thing on their antifreeze, just green ethylene glycol, so just about any coolant will work. Okay, so the green on the Maxima, but the blue I need to use on the Honda. I would use the original Honda fluid, yes, sir. Okay, that answered my question. All right, Ross, thank you, man. Bye-bye. gentleman earlier was talking about ethanol and fuel, which brings up something I'd like to mention briefly. There's a lot of these parts stores who will sell you this injector cleaner like as though it's something you need to use all the time. Right, like it's a miracle cure. Right. Well, the problem is a lot of people I've had people say, well, look, this ethanol in the fuel, should I add some injector cleaner? Injector cleaner is basically ethanol. Exactly. Ethanol is a cleaner. Right. So what you're doing is you already got 10% ethanol in your fuel. Then you dump another can or worse, more than one can of this stuff. And now you may be pumping up to 20% ethanol in your fuel and you get some serious running problems. Plus, you're increasing the damage to the system. That is not a silver bullet. That's not just something you just add to your fuel. I don't care what the parts store tells you. Right. The need to say is, hey, we need to increase our profit margin, so come buy some of this junk. You know? (laughs) Uh, Hey, just go give them 10 bucks. Don't take the stuff, and you're better off. I'm not saying it can't help under certain situations, but it's not a magic bullet. It's not something you just keep adding to your fuel. Right. It's not something you add every fill-up. And with the ethanol already in the fuel, it's even more critical now than it was before because right. what you're doing is you're really overdosing your car with ethanol. The ten, ethanol ten percent is too much. Ten percent is way too much yeah. in my opinion. And now you add a bottle of concentrate, which is maybe kicking it up to twenty percent. Exactly. You can start having some serious problems. So, do not let anybody talk you into doing that. That is not something that you just want to do. We've seen a couple of cars come in barely running, right? And when you test the fuel, they run twenty percent ethanol. Well, I don't know. Did it come? No, it didn't yeah. come that way. <laughs> <laughs> but just something that a lot of folks don't think about. But if you read the label on that stuff, it's basically almost pure ethanol is what you're putting in there mm-hmm. because ethanol is a cleaner. And really, that's where you get the problem is that the ethanol is a cleaner, so it starts picking up all the trash in those tanks at the gas station. Exactly. And you're pumping it into your car. You're buying it four dollars a gallon. Right. And then they start dissolving the fuel lines and stuff if they're old anyway, old rubber lines. That solvent gets in there, starts dissolving fuel lines and stuff like that. Starts breaking up sludge and running it on through into the ejector. So that's where you start getting into problems. 
And you're right. doing basically the same thing when you keep dumping injector cleaner into your tank. So something you don't want to do. And again, I say I don't care what the commercials say. I hear stuff on commercials that makes All me. Just, I just shake my head. Yeah. These guys, they must not go to the most rudimentary steps of learning what they're talking about. Four nine 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 five two six number. And you know, just in case you don't want to call in or don't get a chance to call in, something occurs to you during the week. You can always visit the website. It's www.agcoauto.com. That's A G C O A U T O. Right. There's a contact bar on every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night. There's also a search bar. You can search your topic under vehicle questions. Mm-hmm. It may very well have been answered and posted already. Generally, anytime I get a question that I hadn't heard before, I'm going to put it in there right. just so everybody can benefit from it. If you have a question about AGCO, be it what kind of credit cards do we take, what are your hours, where are you located, when was it founded, I mean, any question about AGCO, there's a whole section here called AGCO questions. How does she charge for a diagnosis? Why we don't quote prices on the phone? Right. You know, why that didn't? And there's, there's several articles on that topic. You just about anything you want to know about Agco is in there. It's not promotion. It's just let you know about our company in case you are interested in doing business with us. Right. Lots of things about our services and all that, but tons of other information like detailed auto topics. We had two calls today on spark knock or valve clatter, and it's a real good article and goes into detail on the things that cause it. Right. Everybody thinks of low octane fuel, and certainly that is one thing that can contribute to it. But there's many, many, many other things that can make that much worse. If you're already running high-octane fuel and you're still getting spark knock, you need to read that article because there's something else wrong with the car. It needs to be diagnosed and fixed because that's very damaging to the car. So take a look at that. Another good article just put in on extended warranties. You might want to read that. And I'm fixing to add one I hadn't posted it yet on how to save a whole bunch of money on getting your car fixed. And this is something that's totally unexpected, something you, I bet most, most people, people never, ever about. thought of. Uh-huh. And it's something you can do instantly to save big bucks. So you might want to take a look at that. I'll probably have it on there this weekend. www dot agco auto a g c o a u t o of course that's altazans garage company dot com there you go and that'll get you on there look around see what you think we're gonna take one last quick Have little break over we'll you right back with the final portion oh, of the automotive hour little christmas let your heart be light good morning and welcome back to Automotive Maintenance School, fellas. Good morning. Yesterday, we left off talking about how to upsell your customers with the sneaky $24.99 oil change. Yeah, they come in for the special and bam, we hit them with other problems we just happened to find while doing the oil change. <laughs> yeah, and then you tell them, it's a good thing you came in for our oil change special. Yeah, you may never have known you needed all this work. Yeah, sound like you fellas did your homework. I just hope none of your customers did. (laughs) Agco Automotive has this to say about low-price oil changes. Take advantage of them. And if you get a list of recommended repairs, bring your vehicle to us for an honest opinion of what, if anything, needs to be fixed. Want to know more details about upsells and wallet flushes, plus tons of other automotive info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco. It's the place to go. Tuning up the fiddles now, the fiddles now, the fiddles now. There's wine to warm the middles now and get your head a whirl. Well, welcome back to the final segment of our special Christmas Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersan, and of course today's show is pre-recorded. Let's get back for the final segment of our Christmas program. We've got Mr. Brian Terry, our lead tech. 
chassis technician extraordinaire. There you go. <laughs> I'll go for that. That's the guy that can line your front end or straighten your frame or do just about anything else you might need. And any questions you might have, why don't you give us a call? It's 499-9526. That's something we really hadn't talked about in quite a while is framework, framework and chassis work. Exactly. We still do quite a bit of it, but it's just one of those things that just doesn't come up in everyday conversation. A lot of folks, they say, well, how does a frame get bent on a car? Was it wrecked? Well, that's one way. Right. A pothole. Big pothole. Bend the control arm. That can happen. Mm -hmm. Hitting a curb. Yep. Twisting a wheel. Bending a knuckle. There's several different ways a car can get damaged. Yeah, damaged too. And, and actually, when you say the word frame, it's not really applicable too much anymore because now it's a unit body car. You don't have a separate frame. But very often, we get folks in, and they've had their car aligned four or five times. It's still pulling or still wearing right. tires. And right. They just don't know what's wrong with it. We bring it in. We find oftentimes just minor damage. That we can straighten real easily. Mm -hmm. And once you straighten that, well, then the car's back just like when it was brand new. Right. A lot of times we hear, hey, it's better than it's been in years. Right. It hadn't driven this good. In, in, yeah. And in, I said, well, why didn't those shop find that? Well, because they're not frame shops. They're alignment shops. Right. And all they're going to do is check a certain number of angles that they're used to dealing with every day. Within they're going to do what they can do. Well, very often they don't even check the angles they can't adjust. Right. Like, for instance, SAI, steering axis inclination, they can't adjust that, so they're not even going to check it. Right. There's nothing they can do with it. Included angle, same thing. A frame shop has the wherewithal to do things with angles that other shops don't. These are all crucial. They're all built in the car, but if it's not something that's adjustable, they're generally not going to look at it. Right. And, and I guess their logic is, hey, there's nothing we can do with it. Why check it? Well, the, the biggest thing we really see sometimes mm -hmm. is I just got my car back from the body shop, mm -hmm. and now it's pulling. Right. Or it's worn a set of tires out in 6,000 miles. Right. And front or rear. Front or rear, exactly. Yeah. We get in there and we check it. The body's tweaked off a little bit. The mm -hmm. control arm doesn't take much. Off. It's got a bent knuckle or a, even a bent steering arm. Right. That doesn't get Just caught at the body shop because they're not business. Body of, shops are there to make the car on, look good. Exactly. And they do a good job with that, get all the panels to fit and all that. But they're really not suspension experts for the most part. Exactly. And so they overlook something, and then there you've got problems. And it may show up in a number of ways. It may be a pull to the right or left. It may be a vibration. It may be the car steers further in one direction than the right. other than it used to. Right. All sorts of things that can happen. You know, I've had one guy, he says, ever since my car was wrecked, I eat up CV joints. And as it keeps going through CV joints, could that possibly be related? Sure. Well, absolutely. And we, we checked that the car was turning further in one direction than it was in the other. Right. And it was actually bottoming the CV joint out. So it's, it's bottoming out. It's just tearing that joint up every time you, you go around a corner. And he was eating CV joints up about every six months, just kept changing them, changing them. He couldn't figure out what was going on. Mm -hmm. A little bit of framework was straightening that out for him. Right. So all sorts of things. You know, another thing is rear ends on cars. Let's say a pickup. you got a straight rear end housing. Obviously, no adjustment back there. Obviously. Those housings do get bent. Exactly. All the time. Yep. You can run in a ditch with it. A lot of times, I've seen people throw a chain around that, trying to pull somebody else out, and bend jerk the tube. on it. That tube is just real light mild steel, and That's you right. can bend it pretty easy. And it'll start eating up rear tires. And folks are not used to thinking about a rear tire wearing out. They Maybe they say, well, maybe it was a bad tire. They changed tire, eats another one up. Right. Well, maybe it was on the front, just got wearing. So they may actually go through three or four tires before they realize the problem's in the rear. Right, and that's something we hook up on every vehicle when we do an alignment check. Right. Whether it's got a solid rear axle or not, I'm going to hook heads to the front and the rear. Four wheel get, on every single car. I'm going to get... Toe readings and camber readings on the rear. Right. Toe, camber, and caster on the front. And if the rear is correct, you just reference the front to the rear. If exactly. it's not, if it's if off, it's not, then, you... then you have to make find some adjustment there. Mm -hmm. A lot of shops can't adjust a solid rear axle like right. they can. Front-wheel drive cars actually have adjustments in the rear. Right. All four wheels are alignable, uh, just like the front. 
Yeah, I've, so, I've seen several of those. Your car gets hit in the back, the knuckle gets bent or the arm gets bent. Mm -hmm. You can almost get the toe set, but the adjustment's maxed out. Right. Well, then you've got to start looking. Where is it bent? That takes a special trained person mm -hmm. to look at that car and say, this has moved. Well, knowing what this to measure. Is, and this is not right. What needs to be moved back, different angles and everything. Mm -hmm. So it, it's so a fine art. I call it own. That's it. It's a fine art. <laughs> You're right. Hey, we're going back to our phone lines with Charles. Good morning, Charles. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, sir. We have a problem with an okay. O2 Infinity. Okay. We have quite a bit of problem with that O2 Infinity. Uh -huh. Every so often, the sensor light will come on, letting you know that there's something wrong with the engine to have it checked. Uh -huh. And first it was dealing with something like the thermostat or something. We had okay. that repaired. Then, then the air condition needed repair. Uh -huh. Now the light came on and said the timing chain needed repair. Okay. Is uh, that O2 Infinity? Is that a problem, Car? <laughs> Sounds well, like that one is. That one is for sure. Ooh, I got to tell you, I, I'm not crazy about Infinity Spirit. We see way yeah. too many problems with them. That's yeah. my opinion. I know people who got them and like them. I never have liked that car. I like the Nissan product, but the Infinity, I just... And again, that's just me. That's just me talking what, from my experience. How many miles you got on it? 73,000. Wow, that's low mileage for having so many problems right. with it. Yeah. You may want to look at who you're getting to fix the car. Sometimes what can happen is that each time a repair is done, they may be planting the seeds for the next problem. <laughs> and I, I'm not saying I, that's happening, but I have seen that happen. I they know, they I go know. in and fix something and they leave a little ground wire loose. Well, then that sets a code for something else and they go back and they repair that but then they damage the insulator on something else and don't plug something in well then that causes that or they leave a vacuum line off or they misroute a vacuum line so that causes right. that so you want to be very careful that you got somebody working on it that knows what he's doing when i see a lot of repeat problems very often it's what we call tim t-i-m a technician induced malfunction <laughs> I know exactly and what you Tim might up. be getting hold of your car. I don't know. I'm not crazy about that car. I've just seen a whole lot of problems with them, way more than I think they should have. But overall, I guess it's not a horrible car. I think I'd be a little more careful about who I'm letting work on it and see. could just be a coincidence. You just happen to have three or four problems in a row. What I'd like to see if I were going to work on the car is the, the past service records to see what's been done to see if any of it relates. Yeah. And that way we can kind of start building up like a history of what's going on here and try to make an approach. I do a general inspection of the whole car, look at the history of the car, look at what things have been repaired, see if they're related, see if possibly it's something that's not getting diagnosed that just keeps manifesting as different problems. Okay, I'm right. Okay, thank Mr. you Charles, very much. Thank you thank for you. calling. Bye-bye. Right. Well, that was our Christmas program for today. I hope you really enjoyed it, maybe picked up a tip or two. I appreciate everybody listening this morning and every Saturday morning. Also, a big thank you to our podcast listeners. We really appreciate you guys and hope you keep listening. Preceding was opinion based on my experience in the automotive industry. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I'll be home for Christmas. You can plan on me. Please have snow and mistletoe and presents on.